0: Hey, hey. what's going on, everybody? It is episode 136 of the Audible Farm podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Couchtown Coffee. I drink Couchtown Coffee every morning, and you can too. All you got to do is go to www.couchtowncoffee.com, find a coffee you like, make an order, and let them know Audible Farm sent you. When you make your order, just say Audible Farm sent us here, and they'll give you 20% off. Why? Because Couchtown Coffee is that awesome. Couchtown's coffee's roaster is actually a musician himself, and that's one of the things that makes it that cool. So check it out, www.couchtowncoffee.com. Thanks, Couchtown. This episode is also brought to you by the Broken Strings Foundation. Broken Strings has a 367 initiative, and their goal is to put a guitar in the hands of one child in every school district in Iowa, and they're on their way. They've actually started giving out some guitars and Man, it feels good to, uh, to have contributed a little bit in my own right to this. If you guys want to contribute something to the Broken Strings Foundation, uh, just check them out. I got links down below. They're in the little sponsor section in the description, wherever you're listening to this. So hats off to Broken Strings for doing something good for the music community and just for the community in general. Uh, it's a great cause, and I think you guys uh, might like getting behind it. So check it out, see what you got there, and uh, give them some support. This episode, I'm sitting down with Giannis Alexakis. Uh, Giannis is also known as the one and only Ion. And uh, he, I saw him at a, like, singer-songwriter circle in Iowa City. And I was pretty intrigued by what he was doing. He had a whole bunch of different little machines up there, and he's twisting stuff and pushing buttons, and he's singing, and he's doing some sort of like uh, electronic meets rap kind of deal. And it, like I said, it, it was intriguing to me because I'm mostly just a guitarist, but I've always been somewhat intrigued by people making electronic music. And then to go see it done live uh, on the fly like that, it was pretty, pretty awesome. So I wanted to sit down and talk with him. And then when I sat down to talk with him, I realized he had done a lot more than just that so we get into that in this episode he's a really interesting person and I, I feel like we got a pretty good interview out of it uh come to find out he's produced uh you know a podcast and he's also done scores for short films and things of that nature as well so i hope you guys enjoy this episode i had a great time sitting down talking with him this is episode 136 with Yanis alexakis it's the audible farm podcast with your host Peter Stockdale. Alrighty, everybody. Today, I'm actually sitting down with somebody that I met while I was going to a show at El Rays in Iowa City not too long ago. Uh, they call it the Writers' Circle. It's on Mondays down there, and I saw um, Giannis Alexakis down there. You go, you go by the one and only Ion online, and uh, you know I was really intrigued by what you were doing up there because it's not—it's not like I don't enjoy R and B and rap and things like that. But I think some of the things a lot of people don't like about it is the fact that there's you know, a stigma to some of those people, just, you know, plugging a USB drive into a computer and then hitting the space bar and then just, you know, doing that whole thing the whole time. And that's not, yeah. that's not what you were doing. I was intrigued. Cause it's like, you're up there with multiple pieces of equipment, you're twisting knobs and everything while you're, you're kind of singing, not just rapping, you know? So it's a, a little bit of a mixture of a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the two of us kind of you know talked a little bit online with one another and i found out that you started playing guitar first which was really intriguing to me so first and foremost i gotta know how did you a start with guitar and then b transition it into what you're doing now
1: um i started with guitar because uh my stepfather um is a guitar player um he's like a you know uh, singer songwriter, um, does all that plays in, plays in a band that plays, plays in the area a lot. Um, and so just as a kid, like that was just, it just seemed like the coolest thing. Um, uh, you know, he's probably probably responsible for a lot of, a lot of what I've become to be in, just in the music realm, I suppose. Um, but I was also like, I'd, saw Prince at a very young age and that was like a that was a, a, just a crazy a crazy experience to see somebody like that I mean it was just like a like a superhero you know mm-hmm. um so yeah that's kind of that's kind of where it started and just being being infatuated by that and then you know from there as as it grew it was like you find the other influences that you're like oh there's a guitar player like that's something like who's that what do they do why is that why is that cool or whatever? Um, but uh, yeah, I mean that's definitely that's definitely where it started. That's where the sort of the first infatuation came.
0: I can see where a lot of people. I mean, Prince is not one of my favorite guitarists or musicians personally. And I mean, Prince fans understand that you either kind of like it or don't like it or whatever, but I can, I can surely respect the fact that like the dude played like 40 instruments or something, you know?
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, and I'm talking like when I'm saying like, I'm talking like nine or 10. See it. So he, it looked like a superhero outfit and just shredding and all sorts of just, just crazy colors and
0: things like that. So, yeah, the giant purple pointy guitar and everything. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I could could see that too. Not everybody gets that awesome experience either of going to see somebody, you know, live when they're that young either. I think my only experience I had was like going to see Willie Nelson once when somebody gave my family tickets at some, you know, event that was going on. They're like, we don't, we're not going to this. And it was like,
1: yeah sorry to just not in concert just like just seeing a video or seeing, seeing a, a, a footage from a concert or something
0: mm-hmm.
1: um yeah so no I, I didn't i didn't get that opportunity
0: well i mean even then i mean I, i'm not nothing against my parents but they were they were the kind of people that was like if it's on the radio that's what we listen to we don't buy music it's just whatever comes on the radio is what we listen to you know yeah. and,
1: and, yeah, I hear you.
0: And maybe something might come on like PBS cause I grew up out in the country. So we didn't have any TV stations really. And that was like the only time they might play something like, you know, some grand old Opry kind of type stuff or whatever, you know, live yeah, like Austin sure. city limits kind of stuff or whatever. So I didn't ever get exposed mm-hmm. to too much stuff when I was younger. I mean like my sister played piano and that was, that was about it, man. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, that's pretty cool that, you know, you got parents or a, a stepfather that would like be willing to do that, you know? And, I mean that's it's also something like i got I gotta ask, did he like push it on you to to play music or was it just something that you took to on your own?
1: Uh, I would say, I definitely probably took to it. Um, definitely I mean, I don't think theres anything really i don't I, nothing really pushed on me necessarily. Um, yeah, I took I started out, I think I did probably two or three years maybe of like classical lessons. Okay, Um, which is something that they encouraged, uh, which I dreaded just because I wanted to learn like Hendrick songs or something, you know, as opposed to, you know, otherwise, as opposed to, you know, Bach or or something like that. But uh, not a lot of the the theory in that really ever stuck. So I would say I'm, I'm mostly trained by ear.
0: That's pretty cool. I mean, that's something actually. I I wished I would have gotten to experience was a little bit more classical style guitar training because, um, I mean, do you have any of those capabilities still left? Can you still like pick up a classical guitar and do some weird finger picky kind of crazy stuff?
1: Yeah, there's a little bit that stuck around. It it comes out it comes out on stage sometimes. We'll see.
0: Dude, that's awesome. You know, like. Yeah. And I'm self-taught, so the first thing I learned was I like I learned how to play it at a church, and they're just like just play open chords G C D, just rock it, right. you know. And it's yep. so I got to learn from like the bare bones basic stuff, you know. Or I'd buy a book, and they'd be like, "This is how you play row 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 your boat on on just the yeah. E string or whatever." Yep. <laughs> so. Yep. I don't know. I, I, that's pretty cool that you actually got that kind of a cool experience. That I mean, not everyone gets to have that cool experience. Um, where were you at when you got to take these classical style lessons? Because, like, like I said, I met you in the Iowa City area. Is that where you're kind of originally from? Or yeah,
1: I grew up. I grew up here. Right. Um, I've, I've been here most of my life. Um, I was in Chicago for a few years after high school, but
0: but uh, I'm, this is this is my home. Yeah. Uh, so when did you first start? trying to play out live did you do it with a guitar in your hands or were did you had you already transitioned to making beats by that time
1: um no i definitely played uh, a handful of shows uh god i think i was a freshman in high school i think was the first time i'd played a show uh we uh it was in like a punk band of some sort it was mostly just a bunch of nonsense but uh, it was a lot of fun, and we uh, played at a couple spots around here and a couple sort of the the under the underground spots in Iowa City where they let kids kind of just run wild and
0: who were able to stay out after dark and stuff. So those places, uh, uh, those places don't really exist too much anymore, I don't think. No,
1: I mean I think there's a couple a couple sort of DIY scenes floating around at least around here i think there's places that still try and do house shows i mean not not since the pandemic started but um i think there's definitely still a couple people that or a couple uh groups of folks that that are still trying to do house shows and, and things like that but uh yeah it's not not really a, a common practice as, as much as it was
0: yeah. I, I was lucky enough to have a couple friends after I graduated that, that lived in a house that had the capabilities of doing the house show thing. And oh man, house shows. There's something sp- there's something special about the house shows. That's for there sure. There is definitely. Uh, yeah, you know, and that's even one of those things I found that like, even if the scene is that you're in is a little bit, um, maybe let's call it touch and go, maybe not everybody supports everybody, but you go to one of those house yeah. shows and everybody is like so supportive of one another. And it, It's a great place to kind of go, you know, I don't know what the right word is, like cut your teeth or whatever. You know, it's one of those places where you can kind of get your start and figure out what you're doing right and get a little bit of support from some, some of your peers.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and we were like, like we were allowed to go, like as kids, like we were allowed to go places like Gabe's and Spots that were kind of like El Rey's. And like you were still allowed to be like a 15 year old kid and go see late night shows and that kind of ended pretty much like right towards the end of my high school. But they were still, I mean, especially around here, just because the college, the college scene is just so rampant and like, just, it's just flooded with like underage kids, like sneaking into bars and and stuff like that. So that was kind of, that was kind of the result of, of them sort of shutting that whole, that whole thing down. So everything kind of changed after that. And like everything sort of shifted. And I think that's why, Shows are somewhat tougher for for folks, you know, just uh, just on on being like a local. Um,
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I totally feel you on that because it didn't always used to be that way. But nowadays, like a lot of cities, I don't think it's a state mandate, but I know a lot of cities nowadays will do like uh, you can be underage in a place that serves alcohol before nine. Uh, But Mm -hmm. afterwards then it has to be like pretty much shut down and then reopened again to only people that are, you know, over 21, you know, and that's, there were places in Des Moines that would do that. I know lefties does all ages shows until nine and then they'll shut down and do another late night show. That's, that's only, you know, 21 and over. And and Vaudeville used to do that in the Des Moines area and and things like that. But poor Vaudeville muse. I know, man. (laughs) So wild. It's crazy. that. That the places are closing down but you know it, it seems like just as many as many places that are closing down there are just as many new ones kind of popping up and taking their place you know um in some capacity or another like yeah uh, like i met you at l rays and that wasn't always there
1: no that's a that was totally a brand new spot for sure uh what, yeah that was my first time in there too
0: what was the was, do you remember what it was called before El Rays? blue moose Oh, there you go. Yeah, somebody yeah. somebody said something about that. I was like, This wasn't always here, was it? And they were like, No, no, no. It was it was the blue moose. And I was like, Oh yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So, and I mean Elrays yeah. hasn't even been there that long, have they?
1: No, they opened up pretty much right at the top of twenty twenty.
0: Oof. And they somehow yeah. somehow survived it.
1: Yeah, yeah. They put they 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 pushed through for sure. I wasn't sure,
0: but they they worked hard. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> that's that's awesome. So how did you uh how did you end up finding out that you liked making beats or doing you know, the electronic-ish hip-hop kind of stuff that you're doing now, the R&B type stuff?
1: Yeah. Um, so after that band that kind of sort of simmered out, so I would say like freshman year of high school, um, I think it was mostly that kind of phase after that was really just when me and like all, all of my buddies started getting into hip-hop. And we started, there's stuff just started getting passed around and we started going to shows and, um, I think I kind of remember hitting a point of where it's like, you know what? I'm tired of waiting around for a band. Like I'm going to start, I'm going to start rapping now. Um, and that was kind of it. And then I bought a drum machine and, uh, started tinkering around with that. And that was kind of sort of the, the. Kind of the start of, sort of the GarageBand when GarageBand was like the free the first sort of free program that was just on every computer. Yeah, um, so just started getting with that and doing that whole thing and learning learning that sort of whole whole process.
0: Uh, a lot of people like to crap on garageband. i'm gonna say straight away right now that I am recording this podcast with garageband um mm-hmm. once again it's it's free, so that's yeah totally no, that's, no for sure I mean for doing basic stuff, it works great once, Absolutely. once you start getting a little deeper into things it it doesn't play well with all the plugins and everything that other software might, but you know right. for anybody starting out, yeah garageband's a great place to start out and uh I you mean, know it gets it gets the job done for sure oh definitely. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So uh, what was your first drum machine or how did how did that all go down because I've I've tinkered a little bit with that stuff but I don't have anybody in my I live in a tiny town I don't have anybody in my community I know that does any of that stuff so I'm kind of just like thrown out to the wolves by myself to try to figure it out and I can't but it sounds like you at least had some buddies around that you could bounce ideas off of if you needed to
1: Yeah I um you know, I, I'm trying to think uh, there were a couple a couple of people that had sort of random drum machines. Um, I mean we were still going to we were still going to all sorts of random shows and stuff. Um and there was somebody that was throwing shows regularly who uh I think I ran into him one day and he was just had it out it like it was like a nice day like in in, in the ped mall or something out here where he just had it plugged in off of off of like a city outlet and was was messing with it so i just sat there and we started talking about it and stuff and um yeah just kind of took a whim and and ended up buying the same one just to because i mean i didn't know i don't know anything about anything at that point it was just like i put on i put on his headphones and like heard drum sounds and it was like oh i can i can do that um and then from there and sort of getting into the history and and Learning about sort of what what the the sort of the gods of the gods of, of hip hop were using and stuff, and started learning about people like Jay Dilla and things like that, and learning about what equipment they were using. And um, the MPC kept coming up, which is um, you know sort of a monumental piece uh, in the development of 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 the sound. Um, and you know you follow your idols, so that's ended up getting one off of uh, off of eBay, and that's kind of that's kind of where it all it all went,
0: you know. You know, it's it's crazy you bring that up. I guess I don't know why I never would have thought of that. I mean, I, I did it with I play guitar a lot, but I did it with guitar. It's just like I like this guy, I want to buy the equipment he uses, or I like yeah. that, guy. and it's I guess it translates just as well to hip hop and R and B as it does to to you know playing guitar or bass or drums or or whatever, you know, I, I don't don't know why I never thought of that, but
1: yeah, well, and you hear, you know, you hear a sound you're like, man, how did they get that sound? Like I want, I want to find that sound or like, I want to find a sound like that. That's mine. That, that has that, that sort of character to it and figuring out what it is and how they did it. Um, and sort of, uh, you know, you take you take the same piece of equipment or whatever, and you you put your own put your own touch on it, and just try and try and sort of understand what it is and how how you navigate it, and to build your own personality from it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that makes total sense. Like I like I said, I I kind of just got a. I guess I don't know what it's what the actual name. It's like a it's like a launch pad kind of deal, like one of those Ableton. It's like an eight by eight or whatever. I bought one of those, but I bought the cheap version of it, and then I. I got the software, and then I was just, like, so overwhelmed. I was like, I don't know how to do any of this stuff, and it's, it's yeah. just been sitting in a box behind me forever now, and I, I kind of wished I had some people around to bounce the ideas off of, but I kind of don't know who to bounce the ideas off of and what to do, but, like, I don't know. I watched some videos online of people going nuts with those things, and it was just like, you can do literally anything with this, and it, yeah. I think the thing that intrigued me most of all was the fact that, um i guess i don't know if you've seen any of the videos i'm sure you have it's a masonic with the a um is a four um he's on youtube he's got tons of videos where he just uses like the lower left corner as the drum machine and everything else is just effects and, yeah and i was just like whoa this is nuts and, and then i figured out like this guy actually plays live and does this all live instead of just using like a i mean he could just be a dj and like a, like we said plug in a usb hit the space bar and just be like look how cool i made this in my you know in my yep. basement last yep. year you know yeah totally but he does it all live and I was like, I want to figure out how to do this. And then I realized it's a lot more in depth than just like plugging a thing in and, and, and just doing it. it.
1: it, Yeah. And there's, you know, there's a, a really interesting dynamic that I've kind of recognized when, when I talk to people, like, especially now, like where there's like, there's like the beat makers and the people that like do that and they figure out how to, how to, sort of get in depth on all those crazy devices and like make them do exactly what they want them to do. And then there's like the musicians who like, you know, they play guitar and they write songs and they sing and, and sometimes the musicians like they try and it's like, so especially now in the pandemic where a lot of people have been like sort of getting their own graphs on, on like home studios and home recordings and stuff. And like, there's definitely, I feel like a handful of musicians who I've talked to where it's like, I can't stand this sitting at a computer, like tinkering and like figuring out the routing and like all this mapping of like where they're like, I, you know, and that's, you know, that's kind of the saving grace of having, still having some studios around, thankfully. Yeah. And, oh, and having people who do find a fascination in, in like the, the tinkering on the computer of programming or, or even the, just the recording and using, using DAWS to, to capture sound because, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's like a musician or a computer programmer or like a mesh between the two. I mean, it's, there's, uh, it's a lot of technology.
0: Yeah, it really is. And, I mean, I'm not one to shy away from technology, but it's really in-depth, like uh, even just to do basic recordings. Like I said, I've got Garage Man here, and I've tinkered around with stuff, and I've got... Uh, a digital interface and i've got like mm-hmm. actually a computer interface for uh for like my guitar and stuff so i can like model amps and things like that and just send it straight yep. in doing that stuff and that's yeah. easy but like when i'm like well i want to use this amp i got over here on the wall and then i was like well i'll just put a microphone in front of a speaker and call it good and then you realize like i could point this like 600 different ways or put it an inch away from the speaker or two inches away and the sound changes so much and you know, yeah it's like what's the best is there a best is there like an industry standard and then right n- no is kind of the answer but yes is also <laughs> kind of the answer
1: yep Yep. yeah yeah. Exactly. yeah totally i mean and there's you know and i definitely have days too where it's just like like man i just want to play like i don't like i want to get something new recorded so i can feel like i've been productive so i can put it out on the internet or whatever so i feel like I'm, i'm doing something with my life but like you know sometimes it's just like i'm just not in the mood to deal with that and it's just like you know what i'm just gonna play i'm just gonna play something and i'm just gonna like putz around and like i'm just gonna enjoy myself and it's not just about like trying to complete something and trying to enjoy it for the craft and and, uh yeah and trying to just kind of remind yourself as to why you like something or why you like creating something in that way
0: Yeah. I like the, you know, I really like the way you described that. It made me think of like an artist because like not every artist is like all the time painting these giant paintings on huge canvases to sell to to the, you know, the public. Sometimes they're just doodling on a napkin in a restaurant there because they just want to get, just, just get it out there, you know, and they're, I just want to draw something, you know, today or instead of, like you said, completing something for, for the public to put it out there on the internet and show everybody. It's a beautiful yeah. way of thinking of that. I guess I never really thought too much about that either. So yeah. I guess, have you ever like d- dinked around with any of that Ableton type stuff, those eight by eight, like launch pad type things, or is that anything that's in or out of your Yeah, year?
1: Yeah, I have. I um, I mean, as much as I like making music, I also have a a lot of appreciation for, for sort of that computer side of things and just like, the programming and like the signal routing and how many ways can I, you know, send a signal to multiple places so I can affect it live. Like with that setup, you said you saw on stage, like that was like sort of the half of, of the big picture setup that I've kind of been working on through, through the, the, all the free time I've had in the pandemic where, um, Uh, and and it's the same thing. And it's the same thing with like video stuff as well of where, you know, what's the best way to capture live performance, uh, with minimal post-production work, so to speak, where like, um, yeah, you know, and I just being, being sort of trained and as my, my trade being, uh, an audio engineer, um, you know, I definitely just have a passion for running cables, so to speak.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I, uh, I, for, I mean, that's what I actually started Audible Farm as was recording bands live. And I found, I found some easier ways to do it, like you said, with no post production. And then I realized like, oh, if I wanted better audio and better video, I would have to do some post production. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, marrying, uh, the audio to the video isn't always as easy and then sometimes it's like well this one's got a 44.1 sample rate and the video's got 48 and then they don't quite line up perfectly the longer and i was just like what is going on here after a while you read a little bit you start to figure out and you're like oh i can stretch the video just a little bit so or you know push it back a little bit and do things like that but i i really wished i would have went up and and looked at your gear a little bit more when i was there playing live but I also I'm such a novice. I would have just been like, "What do you got going on here?" And you would have been like, "I got all this stuff going on and all the and I would have right. just been like, "Oh, okay. Like sounds cool. Like I don't know. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I don't know how to do any of it, but yeah, it definitely was intriguing. And that's something that I feel like the older I get, the more intrigued I am by different styles of music. Just especially seeing it live and watching people perform it live. It's just like, oh, this is something different that I would have never even thought of in a million years how to do any of this stuff and right um you know honestly that's what intrigued me the most about seeing you live i was just like this guy's this guy's got some crazy stuff going on up here and it's not just you know like i'm not trying to downplay me and jesse when we were there but we're just like two guys playing guitar he's a singer songwriter i just play leads and it's it's not simple but it's it's pretty simple stuff for the most part compared to hooking up tons and tons ah, of cables all not- over
1: yeah well and i mean that was such a great set too and it was just that was one of the cool things about that night it was just it was just such a wide variety um and like yeah and that you know and i totally get that too and we're sort of like seeing two guys play a guitar where it's sort of like a you know you've kind of seen it before and Mm -hmm. it's sort of like i don't know i don't know i don't want to call it like a standard but um you know it's familiar it's like It's like it's familiar, and people people still really connect with that in a a lot of ways. I mean, I know I definitely do, just in the same sense of like, you know, going back to my stepdad. Like, I've watched my stepdad be the dude on stage playing guitar a thousand times, (laughs) a thousand times over. Like, like I still connect with that that stuff a lot, and I think a lot of people do, and I think that's why that's why like I feel like we're gonna like be okay in the sense of music's not just gonna turn into computers and crazy gadgets and and stuff even though that's basically what my whole set was but you know i have i do sets too where i bring an acoustic guitar on stage and incorporate that into into you know the drum machines and the synthesizers and and stuff sweet um and that's all that's kind of been sort of in development this sort of past year and kind of fine-tuning that
0: yeah, and I didn't mean to like say anything to make it sound like Jesse plays basic stuff or whatever, but it's it's like uh, one of the cool things I think about him is he's not shying away from using uh like I want not say he doesn't have like a drum machine with him, but he uses a looper to to form right. all of his beat beats for his beatboxing kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you know. And there's some people that are such purists about playing music that they're like, no, there's no loopers, no beatboxes, no none yeah. of that stuff. We gotta have somebody yeah. playing the drums. And it's I get it to an extent, but at the same time, like. Uh, nobody else is doing it, so I hats off to Jesse for doing it, you yeah, know? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Um, you had mentioned a little bit earlier uh, that you have, like, an audio engineering. I don't know if you have a degree, but that's where your education, I'm assuming, is, is definitely keyed in towards. And uh, we were talking about recording stuff live and things like that. And you had mentioned to me you're doing some of that kind of stuff on the side um if for anybody watching the video version of this in the background you can kind of see some fun lights behind him that is uh we actually inquired about this you're actually at the Englert right now if if, if uh there it is the beautiful Englert. i've uh, I've been there and seen a handful of different shows and comedians and things like that. Um, I went there to the to go see Lake Street Dive not terribly long ago, within the last yeah. two or three years. That I was packed. It was a tons yeah. of fun show. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, and that's one of those things. I, I guess I got to ask you about, like, how did you get involved in all of that, or or what kind of stuff do you do for Inglert while you're there?
1: Yeah, I, um, I was hired on. I was actually I started as an intern. I studied I studied audio production in Chicago for a couple of years, um, and uh, which was cool and it was dope. College was like same thing as always of where like this the school thing was never really good. I was never well, I was never good at it. Where making you like try and learn something just through a textbook it's never been, never been a good way. So like at some point I needed to get an internship and just being, being a townie here, you know, people know, people know, people and they, you know, this opportunity came up to do this internship here. And as soon as I started, it was like, Oh, okay. This is, this is it. Like, this is what I need. This is way more like engaging for me. It's like way more hands on. Um, and so I just kind of stuck it out and they eventually hired me um and like this is the top of year seven january this past january i think makes the start of year seven. Oh, cool um so um yeah they hired me as an audio engineer to run sound um and then just sort of as the years went by and, and people sort of rotated in and out um eventually you're all of a sudden the the technical person who's been here the longest and you know the most um so that's where i am now so as, as the production supervisor and, and technical director and building manager for the space
0: that's really awesome man um yeah. so you kind of worked away from the bottom all the way to the top on that you you went in there being the guy that says where does this cable plug into and now you're the guy that tells somebody that's where this cable goes <laughs> yeah for sure it's pretty much yeah that's really cool. Yeah. That's really cool. I mean, that makes that makes me wonder. Like, man, you and I were actually in the same building, probably more than, on more than one occasion, and we just never really, yeah, ran, that's right. <laughs> never really ran into each other or anything. So that's really, yeah. that's really really sweet. Um, what yeah. school did you go to when you were in Chicago?
1: Uh, I was at Columbia. All right. Columbia College Chicago, and I was there for about three years.
0: I I was thinking about what you said about like learning in textbooks and and I think the thing about that is um I mean I recently just graduated from school um I got an accounting degree and I mean you can learn everything you want in a textbook but until you apply it in the real world you don't really know what's going on and I I feel like that translates to a, a lot of different areas you know <laughs> Yeah I mean Yeah and
1: when I was studying it was a it was a very strange Moment in the industry, um, it was kind of right at that right at that transitional point of where home studios like exploded, mm-hmm. and actual studios were like shutting down left and right. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was it was it was weird because all the professors had sort of these years and years of, of professional studio experience but didn't couldn't quite connect or relate sort of in the sense of the home studios, which is where sort of the rest of us were and mm-hmm. like just learning and like taking it to go and being like, okay, I'm going to bring all this over and we're just going to set up and we're just going to record in this random room and just get it done where, you know, there was always, they were still kind of following the sort of old school protocol of, you know, yes, you're going to start as the intern and you're going to make the coffee and you're going to do the thing. Well, it's like, well, I don't really want to be the intern and I'd rather I'll just go over here and record my homies all making stuff and like, you know. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was interesting and I think it was a little, I think there were sort of parts of it that were a bit discouraging and just um, professors kind of not really unsure of how to adapt. Mm-hmm. Because there wasn't really, there was sort of just a lot of uncertainty as to what, what it was going to look like.
0: Yeah, I I feel you on that hundred percent because like when I first was like I'm gonna start a podcast and I was like what do I gotta do and I was like I oh I don't got to dump a, you know thousands of dollars into like making a studio out of my house and it's like no you need a laptop and you need like a hundred dollar interface <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's yep. it's it was literally like when I went on the internet I'm like how do I plug a microphone into a USB port well you just buy this box that goes between the two I mean that's like the right. most basic way I could say it and then it's like right. well, what if I want to add effects to it well just do them digitally and it's like right huh. Okay, this, this really isn't that hard, you know? I mean, yeah, for sure. there's a learning curve, and I'm I'm still on the yeah. bottom end of the learning curve because I'm all self-taught on this stuff, but it's, yeah. I see what you're thinking. It's almost like uh, I talked to a guy not terribly long ago that went to school for uh, photography, and he learned how to, like, develop film and stuff like that. Now everything's digital, and he was talking about how, you know, if if you went up to a teacher nowadays that teaches photography stuff in school, they might not have the slightest clue how to develop film, you know, but that was like yeah. the old way of doing it. And there's there's been a big transition period, I would say, in the last 20 years of things, maybe not just going digital, but becoming a lot more DIY and easier to do mm-hmm. at your own home kind of deal that just yeah. never exactly existed beforehand, you know? And,
1: yeah. No, exactly. Well, and just, and for example, I mean, they were, you know, at a class where, you know, one of the requirements was you, you had to set up a tape machine for recording, hmm. you know? And it was like that was cool and i love tape machines and it, they sound great but it's like you know it's at this point having a tape machine in your studios is, is more of a luxury more than anything
0: like it almost an almost an inconvenience too yeah exactly yeah <laughs> a tape machine breaks down and it's uh you're almost going to spend more than you know to fix it than you did on buying the tape machine in the first that's
1: place right. yeah yeah well, um, yeah
0: God, that makes me think about all those old days of people, you know, using a pencil to wind up cassette tapes and things like that. You know, that's yeah, yeah, that's it's literally hard. almost what you're doing. Um, yeah,
1: you know, and now, now digital, you know, now studios will have a tape machine just so they can run, you know, all their digital sounds through it just to give it give it a little bit of extra sort of crunch or whatever.
0: Yeah. Know. It, you know and that was something else i was just like well you know there really can't be that much difference between the two but digital stuff it's uh it's so you only have so many values you can fill but on a tape machine it's analog so it fills up everything in between x and y you know and it's mm-hmm. one of those things where i didn't really think it was that big of a deal until a buddy of mine he what he did was he recorded just a little sound clip of something and it was only 30 seconds long but the first 15 seconds were recorded on a tape machine and then he faded it into Uh, the digital stuff that he'd recorded and it was all just mostly acoustic and electric guitar stuff, but it was like, Oh, there's a big difference here. You know, it was something that I guess I kind of just wrote it off originally or whatever. Now I kind of get why some people still have the love for the tape machine, you know? Yeah, for sure. uh, And in the same, in the same train of thought, it's this kind of the same thing with,
1: um, hardware too. And like, you know, I can make a bunch of beats, sort of just, uh, tapping around on the keyboard or you know, from of my computer or something. Um, but like in the same way of running the cables and, and finding sort of the signal flow of, of it all, I, you know, I definitely have like a passion for like twisting the knobs mm-hmm. and like having a knob or a fader or something to touch and like to, to move and, and be able to, to, f- you know, feel the change really, rather than just like using your mouse to, to click on something to change it. Yeah.
0: I mean, I can feel that too with uh, a lot of people's live sound rigs. It's becoming a lot easier to have um, like a a live mixer that you can just hook up to an iPad and just like, you know, drag your faders around on there and stuff. And that's so convenient and easy. And I love it because you can go out in the crowd and get a good mix for everybody and everything. And Mm -hmm. even if you're doing it all for yourself or your own band, but then there's... The downside of it is you don't actually have the physical touch of, like you said, twisting a knob or or dialing a fader in where you really like it, and that's one of those yeah. weird things where I, I still like using a physical mixer more than, you know, doing the whole iPad mixing kind of deal. Yeah, for sure. Is one better than the other? Yeah, I don't know. They both have their benefits and drawbacks, but oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I guess it just it just is what it is, but mm. uh, you know, I I also did want to like just throw it out there. So I think it's so cool you're like. Um, you know, you're out there grinding away with us little guys while you're still out there working for the big guys, you know, at, at Englert. But, you you know, but you still go down to the, the kind of club scene or whatever that, you know, people like me and Jesse or, or whoever is there, you know, uh, you're still cutting your teeth down there with everybody, even though, you you know, you probably got some pretty good connections and stuff. But, you know, it's just one of those things where you're, you don't ever turn your nose up at, at, you know, the indie scene just because you've seen so many big acts.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I... I like to stay in touch. I like to stay, you know, I like to know what's going on. I mean, it's, it's my city, you know, I like it. I like to, I like to just, uh, you know, just stay, stay in, in communication with just how, how things are, are evolving or changing, you know, like that's kind of, I mean, that was basically, you know, that was the reason I went to that, I did that L race thing. It was just like, all right, this is a new venue. They've been open for like a, pretty much a year. I haven't been there yet, but, like, I've been in this music scene for, you know, 15 years or something. So it's, like, I it, I definitely had, like, th- months of, like, I got to get down there. I got to get down there. I got to, like, touch base, and I got to put my feet in there and, like, just see what's up, who I talk to. And, like, it was nice because that was, like you know, that was the first time I'd been on stage, basically, since since everything shut down.
0: Yeah, I'm, you know, if anybody's looking, you know, how do I get into L-Race? Just hit them up. Like, yeah. It's, yeah. it's literally that easy. Get in touch yeah. with them, send them a couple of links, and, and they'll more than likely invite you over to do something. Um, mm-hmm. It's not like they're just like, we we'll are taking an any and all comers. But at the same rate, they kind of are. They have a different style of music there just most nights of the week. Sometimes they have featured artists for full weekends. Uh, what you and I went to was what they call the writer's circle. It's on, I think they do it every Monday, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Yeah. So uh, And that was something where, like, you were there. Um, there was a, a rapper there that... Uh, uh gave the sound guy some backing beats and he rapped over top of it and he i mean he stacked his he stacked his set list so perfectly it was weird because it just kept getting better and better towards the end of the night and it was just like yeah yeah this yeah. guy's this guy's killing it you know and, yeah. uh I, I I think he did that on purpose you know because he's he's probably done it a bunch so he was he was really good I I don't have his name but uh, once again you could scroll through the El Rey social media pages and find him there but and yeah. I, I mean we did the singer songwriter thing and then there was another one that came up after us and it was a solo singer songwriter acoustic guy that did stuff that was uh you know maybe a little bit more folksy or bluesy kind of stuff and and that was really fun too yeah it's
1: an older guy too. yeah, yeah he's an older dude right yeah, yeah. i
0: remember that guy because i actually had to really i was really intrigued by what he was doing uh so I, I mean that guy was uh his name was mike michael husky but uh but yeah and that that just makes me feel like a dick for not remembering the one person we shared the stage with but uh, <laughs> uh i'd look it up but my phone and everything's in use and i don't want to dink with too many screens here while i'm doing the <laughs> podcast so i apologize <laughs> uh, vehemently for forgetting one person's name. Um, I'll lash myself afterwards, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) oh man. So let's, let's change the gears just a little bit here though. Cause I mean, like once again, it was really cool. There was four completely different artists. Everybody was really supportive. Um, I was worried that we weren't going to fit in. And then before you know it, everybody just, everybody just loved everybody. And that was such Mm -hmm. a cool night. So yeah. Um, I do want to talk about, uh, you did some scoring for a, a little short movie, like a little mini film that somebody had created. Yeah. And and uh, the film was called Domicile, and I actually you sent me a link to where I could watch it, and I watched it, and it was uh, a a good movie with a uh, b a very intriguing story. I I wish there was more to it because it's just a, it was just a short like almost like a sampler kind of deal, and it's like yeah. I, I was just like God oh, dang, I just wish I wish there was more of an ending to this, or, or even more of a setup too, because yeah. I just I, it within, goes by quick. Yeah, within yeah. like – it's like 10 minutes long, and I fell in love with the character, the main character, like instantaneously. Like I felt yeah. the plight of what was going on. Um, but you did the scoring for that on the music end of that. How did you get like lumped into that? Was it somebody saw you play live and liked the instrumental kind of stuff you could do? And, or how did it all go down?
1: Um, the, the director of cinematography – um, well, the company that the, – the group that made the films, Deaf Visuals, who are out of Des Moines, um, they uh, they shot a music video of mine uh, a few years back. Um, and they uh, – they're just good friends and um, they – basically they put a call out and said that, you know, we're working on this short film um, and we're, you know – here's a list of here's a list of things that we need to you know are people that we were looking for and like i've never scored anything um but it's something that i've always been fascinated by and something that like i always appreciate about about films um and so i think i think how it went is that they i think they had a couple people sort of send in sort of like a rough kind of a rough cut and just kind of see what kind of what kind of the um you know, each musician would kind of bring to the film, um, sort of on like the rough edit. Um, but they were, they were super happy with mine, which was, which was a good feeling.
0: There's, there's definitely something to be said about the, like music that goes along with whatever the movie is. I remember seeing a video on YouTube where somebody had made something like, um, putting the wrong music to a movie and they, they did like star Wars scenes where they just plugged in music. That was like totally nonsensical and it shouldn't have ever been there. And it changed yeah. the vibe of it like a million times over. Oh, well, like, that's funny. And, and so it does make a huge difference. And that was, yeah. that was something, I mean, I already knew that you did the scoring for it when I went in to listen to it, but it was something where I was, uh, I really kind of keyed in on both things. Like what, what was going on in the short film and what was going on with the music and how they, they meshed well together uh, you were you gave it um, like the the ish vibe that it was kind of that was necessary for the film, you know. But you all there was also a scene in there that was a little bit I don't want to say like creepy, but there was the scene in there that was a little bit almost like scary, and you kind of filled that in very well too. And I was just like, this is nice, you know. I mean, I'd like to think I'm a good enough musician to do something like that, but uh, no, I don't think so. After listening to, <laughs> after listening to that, I was like, I don't know if I could have came up with something this that fit it this well. And it's not like you went. You know, super crazy and complex with it, but you, you did stuff that was simplistic enough, but still got a very good, um, made me, uh, em- emote the correct way, I guess would be the right. right way to say it. And
1: yeah, and it was, it was an interesting dynamic, uh, to approach, um, to try and like basically narrate something, um, but also still you still kind of have to find space for the visual sort of the visual component of, of the whole piece. Um, which is something that sort of, you know, I've, I've run lights, I've run lights for shows here all the time where it's like, you know, the first time, the first time I ran, I ran a show, uh, ran lights for, you know, a full blown concert here at the Angler where it was like, by the time I got done, I was just totally mentally drained because, having to respond and sort of react in a visual sense as opposed to like you have to use using your eyes more so than using your ears for the first time was a total like i felt like the different part of my brain (laughs) just being worn out because it was so different from strictly just running sound and how you have to pay attention to what's happening um and it's kind of kind of applied to in the same in the same way of like there's there's this visual component that you have to you have to acknowledge and 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 work with.
0: Yeah, I mean, I bet there's. I mean, I'm thinking of it from my standpoint where like I play lead guitar uh, on with you know I play at a jam nights and I play with some other people here and there mm-hmm. and stuff. And I got to make sure that what I'm doing uh, adds to what they're doing without stepping on what they're doing. So I bet there's yeah. there's probably something to that aspect too. Because like I mean, you could have went nuts and just filled the whole thing up with music and and gotten really crazy with it. But uh, there'd be some point in time where I feel like the music might, instead of being an addition to the, to the short film, it would be a distraction from the short film instead, you know? Yeah.
1: Well, and the same thing. And just like, especially being a lead player of where you have your moments, but you also, you also find space for, for the rest of, for the rest of it, you know, Mm -hmm. while still, while still sort of maintaining your presence in, in certain moments in the song or whatever it is. And, and, trying to like, you know, accentuate, but, but not, not fill up necessarily.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I could see that. Cause uh, from watching that short film, it kind of made me think like, uh, like, like you said, I mean, you were, there were some parts where you, the music was in the background while people were talking a little bit and it, and it wasn't distracting, you know, at all because I could still pay attention to what they were saying and doing and, and their, you know, you know, body language and things like that. And, um i don't know i guess i just it is just really good to to, to see that because it was kind of it just made me think in a different way of of music because it's i mean i've everybody's seen movies and and seen the movie scores and i mean i played you know trumpet in high school and junior high and stuff like that we played you know oh this is the jurassic park theme and whatever and then you just think like oh that's really neat and stuff and then you start to really think about scoring when i you know especially when you sent that video over i was like eh, this is uh <laughs> this is a little bit more in depth than i thought it you know, it was initially, I thought it'd just be yeah. like, all right, we'll just play some chords here and a simple chord progression. It's not, it's not just that easy, honestly. Right. So. Yeah, no, there's just, I
1: mean, there's definitely, and there's ways of going about it too. I mean, there's people, you know, I've, I've talked to other people about projects and they've, where they basically, they put a song, they'll put a song over this, you know, this clip or, you know, this like sort of short, mini documentary or whatever um and something that's kind of already has a predetermined tempo um which you know is in the term you used where you still it still has that sort of emotion that that you that you want and it fits really well with this i like nothing was pre-recorded everything was played with sort of the pace and the cadence of the dialogue and and how the shot sort of reacted and like you know there'd be there'd be a chord strike when when she goes to turn a lamp on and or something like that like everything everything worked with the pace that they had they had sort of determined already
0: yeah that's that's really wild have you uh, ever thought about jumping into that lane of of music again to try to do more of that kind of stuff or are you kind of would you prefer to just do the live performances instead
1: No, I actually, I, you know, I, uh, as as soon as I started working on it, I, I sort of realized that it was like, oh, this is another lane. And this is, this is great because it takes the focus off me trying to sort of perfect my own sound or whatever, but it allows me to still sort of grow, um, as a musician and as an artist and being able to approach sound in a different way. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so it gives, it gives me room to expand and it's, it's, it's a really enjoyable practice. I've come, I've come to find out. So I'm definitely hoping to keep, keep doing more.
0: That's awesome. So if anybody's listening that is uh, doing any film work, uh, I, uh, Giannis might be the guy to to hit up. Um, you know, it's really kind of cool. That I, the more I think about this, the more I am intrigued by it, I think is like, uh, you're still an integral part, but you're not the focal point anymore. You know, um, once again, like when you're watching star wars a lot of people don't think about the music going on in the background but it's so important that if you changed it 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 completely changes the movie you know yeah it's, it's, so i mean that's that's really it's really cool i uh i don't know i guess that's just something that intrigues me It's something i've never done and uh like what like i said earlier in the podcast the older i get the more i'm intrigued by seeing and understanding how music you know the different styles of music and how it's you know incorporated into things how it actually changes the feel of things and stuff yeah. like that. So, um, yeah, absolutely. I've, I've mentioned yeah. it before on this podcast, but I'll mention it to you. Uh, one of the best pieces of advice I got for, you know, going to jam nights or playing lead with, with other people was, uh, stay out of the way until it's your turn to be in the way and then get in the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. And, and the guy that told me that I, he told me that I was just like, you dick. And then I was like, <laughs> wait, no, that's perfect. That's perfect advice. You know, it's, uh, at first, I was just like, "That's mean! That's so yeah. mean!" And then I was like, "Wait, yeah. no, 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 no! He's right. He's hundred percent right." And yeah. it's been some of the best advice I've taken with me anywhere. When I when I start to play music with other people, is add to what they're doing, don't become the center of attention the whole time. And it's not always not always easy, but yeah. uh, you know, I guess it just is what it is. Everybody has their own attack on how they do things. But that was that was some advice I definitely took to heart.
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, so let's sidetrack a little bit from music here, since we're getting close to an hour. Um, you do actually do a little bit of podcasting and things of that nature too, which is pretty cool because I didn't really know um, didn't really know you did that. And I tried. I'm trying my best to kind of see who in Iowa does what podcasts and things like that. Um, and one of the things that I when I one of the first people I met that had a music podcast in Iowa was. Uh, I Hear, I See, the radio show, and I think you've had a little bit of interaction with them. Yeah, yeah. And so that was kind of cool when I first met you and I started searching around online. I was just like, oh, 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 this is really cool. Somebody I met like two and a half years ago, so like... Our paths have like almost sort of crossed, just two ships in the night. But uh, you do you do have your own podcast um, that is somewhat on hiatus, as we've talked a little bit before the episode. But uh, Uh let's let's run over that a little bit. It's uh, let's see here, do 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 political party live, and you. I listened to a couple episodes, and it's it's uh, inspirational to an extent, I guess, and it's maybe not supposed to be geared to just inspire people or whatever, but it I feel like it's a uh, well-spoken individuals tackling a topic that, um, regardless of whether or not you're interested in politics, you should probably, or will probably be interested in, in the topics that are being discussed. So what yeah. got you started in that or what got you picking that lane and kind of going with it?
1: Yeah. Um, it was more about, um, the folks, the folks who are the hosts, um, who are people I, I I admire heavily, um, wanting to, it was, it was their idea. Um, and they, they came to me and asked me about, about, uh, helping out and trying to get involved. Um, you know, and these, these are people that I, that like I said that I admire heavily. Um, and they are people who I think, I think needed, need to be, uh, Amplified, I guess would be the way to say it, and that I think they have good things to say uh, good things to to discuss and good ideas about how we can sort of uh challenge some of some of the um some of i guess the 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 flaws of of, of the system that we are that we live in um, you know, and it's definitely definitely very, very sort of, uh, challenging on, on certain policies and just, and trying to find a solution as to, uh, what is going to be the most beneficial for, for everybody.
0: Um, so was politics something you were always interested in or, or talking about these kind of policies and things about, uh, our culture and how we look at things, or was it, was it more or less just like, uh, cause I feel like, Politics, I don't want to say that it's becoming uh, like uh, just a thing everyone's doing or everyone's involved in, but I feel like social media has kind of ramped up people being able to voice their opinions to more people. Um, I mean, it's created a little bit of a dichotomy here and there uh, you know, where, yeah. where one side doesn't get along with the other and the other side doesn't get along with the one side. And mm-hmm. and there's also people that are somewhere in the middle that don't feel like anybody gets along with any of them. Yeah, And, and so, like, I guess um, – I I don't know, I guess, is that something you were always interested in or was it like with the forthcoming of social media that kind of drew you into that kind of a deal or was it the fact that, uh, somebody else kind of had the framework for the idea down and you just kind of jumped in on it with them?
1: Yeah. Um, it's something I've kind of, I've definitely always been interested in. Um, mostly, you know, most the, you know, the most basic sense is that like I've always believed in, in, you know, the power of the people, um and that the people are, the people are, uh, people who are unified can really create the change that is needed. Um, and trying to find and trying to build a platform, um, where people can gain that sort of sense of, of communion, um, I think is really important. Um, and sort of in the sense of producing that podcast, um, The beat making stuff the filming stuff um and just sort of this film scoring and kind of the same and kind of the same sort of realization of like oh this is another lane that i can that i can jump in that you know i can apply my skill set to um but also you know it just opens up a whole world of sort of possibilities and and topics and discussions you know like uh you know have something like this too where it's like it's a very, very specific sort of target audience about like the specifics of of the audio world and and why we find it so fascinating. And not everybody's going to be super into that, but the people who are will be appreciative of it.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's very true. I guess that's something else uh, I I often overlook is the fact that I feel like if you are trying to push your opinions very vehemently onto other people with disregard for any other opinion. It kind of turns me off of even voicing my opinion at all. So I guess, like, kudos to you for at least having the guts to go out there and help produce something like that, you know, and and be a part of it because, I mean, I would say over the last... Pretty much since I started doing this podcast, I just quit voicing my opinion on the Internet um, at all, you know, and it's one of those <laughs> things where I just... Anytime I ever got close to doing so, people would just, you know, slam you from one side or the other side or whatever. and it's Yeah. And uh, I guess, like, have you ever felt any of that while you were helping produce this podcast or did it, is it something that runs you down at all or anything like that? Or uh, do you, do you not get like turned off by that, by the social media aspect of everything? Um,
1: no, not with this podcast specifically, but like, I've definitely been in situations like that where it's like. Wow, I absolutely regret putting my opinion out there because now it's turned into a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um that like you, you know, you, you you sometimes and just like being a you know, you find yourself in those situations where it's like you kind of have to sort of navigate navigate your way through it
0: mm-hmm.
1: as opposed to just like being slanderous and just talking shit or whatever and like um you know you want to be respectful and try and just navigate your way through it and address it in a in a in a cordial manner i suppose
0: yeah i feel like uh, that might have that might be something that's a little lost on social media nowadays yeah, yeah just, for sure just being cordial or having some sort of tact or cooth or any of those yeah. types of things i mean it's yeah. It's unfortunate. I'm not calling anybody out and I'm not saying this side is correct and that side's wrong or that, you know, I'm not saying any of that, but I just feel like there's a lot of, uh, a lot of lost talking topics going on these days where people just, everybody just kind of, I don't know, it's, I feel like nobody wants to meet in the middle anymore, even though the end game is that we're all gonna meet in the middle anyways, you know? Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it's not little stuff, but like, the, for sure like uh, you know i've had one or two posts that kind of just have, were blown up and and blew way out of proportion where all of a sudden there's hundreds of people involved that you're like i i i'm just gonna just gonna nix out of this one for for the time
0: being and you know like yeah and i mean that happens in the music scene too where some people are just like this music's the best music and your music sucks or or things like that or um, you know, there's there's some of that aspect going on that happened during COVID a little bit too, where some some bands decided they were going to play some shows live, and and even if it was okay to play shows live, or there was social distancing and masks being worn and things like that, people were still getting shamed for some of that, and I. I get it to an extent, but at the same time, like it's I find it hard to point a finger. The older I get, the less I want to point my finger at somebody to say, What you're doing is wrong, you know. Yeah.
1: No, for sure. And you know, I definitely I was definitely on like on both sides of it for a long time where it was like you know, yeah, like somebody playing shows when it's like, No, we really just need to be at home right now. But then at the same time, it's like, Oh, this person has been playing shows for twenty years and that's what they've been eating off of for the last twenty years, so You know, I don't blame them for like doing what they are most comfortable with and know how to do because they've been doing it on the daily and,
0: um, yeah. I feel that 100%. That was, like, one of the biggest eye-openers I had when I started interviewing musicians and even doing it during the whole COVID thing was I realized there's a lot of people that are musicians that, like you said, this is what they do to eat, you know, and this is what they do to live, and it's not like you're making a million billion dollars, so there's not much of a safety net underneath you if this is what you've chosen to do, and I mean, even you in a large sense, I'm sure, like, you work at Englert Theater, and they, they couldn't have shows, so, like, I'm sure you know some of your bread was taken away from you too so it's it's just as difficult for you as it is and you're i mean some people might consider you one of the big guys because you're you know you're doing the sound engineering at a giant theater and stuff but you Mm -hmm. like i said you still had your bread taken out of your mouth too so yeah yeah for sure so i don't know Uh, yeah yeah
1: i mean it's nice to see that it's nice to feel like we're we're starting to get a a close on this chapter definitely yes
0: definitely and uh you know i I think that's one of my favorite parts about listening to a couple episodes of the podcast that uh the political party live was the fact that i feel like everybody bridged the topics they needed to in such a respectful and courteous manner that nobody i mean like i said it's stuff that i feel like anybody who lives in society will understand the plight that is being brought up in these and unless you are completely closed-minded and wearing blinders you um, you're going to understand it um, and at least be open-minded to it, you know, and uh, I also feel like I, a lot of people don't give enough people credit for, you know, how open-minded and, and thoughtful we all are, because we're all still human, I mean, there's there's no, I, mm-hmm. as, as bad as it got for a year, there wasn't anybody out there, you know, literally just like burning down houses and stealing everything from everybody just to try to live, you know, we all still had enough food to eat and everything, so, um, you know, as bad as some people might say or talk about how it was, it really wasn't that bad, but... Hmm. you know i think that's one of my my favorite parts about you know at least sitting down like with people like you and talking with is realizing that that not everybody even if it seems like it on the internet not everybody's losing their mind everybody's everybody's good people we're all good people and if you just sit down and talk with everybody one on one we realize that um it's the plight of man or or woman or the human that we are we're all dealing with and we're all dealing with it in the best way we can because there's not really any rules to anyone you know going out and being alive so yeah <laughs> yeah Yeah, definitely. So we've we've actually covered pretty much an hour here. Um, We covered most of what I had written down. Is there anything that I didn't talk about that you felt we should talk about? Nah, man. I think I'm I'm set. Awesome. Yeah. Um, If anybody's looking for uh, Giannis' stuff on live, you're pretty much everywhere as the one and only Ion. And if anybody's looking for it, I'm throwing links down below to uh, the Bandcamp and uh, the Facebook page and the Twitter page and I uh, couldn't find your Instagram page. I don't know if you Oh
1: yeah. I can I can send that to you. Um
0: I went to that's... Instagram the one and only ion and it wasn't there. So Yeah. Um, I
1: uh yeah,
0: I will I will link you to that.
1: All right. Sure. So because the link... that's, that's that's probably where I'm most active.
0: So. All right. So the links will be down below in the description. I highly suggest clicking the Bandcamp link and checking it out. I'm fairly certain fans of almost any style of music will be at least somewhat intrigued by what you're doing because you're bending a lot of different styles into something that is what I would say is uh, pretty unique, honestly. So that's something that really took, you know, took me to what you were doing because you're not just doing beep boop music machines. You're also singing and doing all sorts of stuff. So I, I just love it. I don't know. I just it was intriguing enough when I saw it live that I had to come over and say something to you, to your face about it. That, yeah. was, that was, that was what it was. So uh, well, I, I appreciate it for sure. Absolutely. Um, Giannis don't go away. I'm going to end all the recording stuff here, but thanks a million for, for sticking around and talking with me for an evening.
1: Yeah. Thank you, man. I appreciate it, man. This was fun. Absolutely.
0: Oh, what I tell you? Interesting guy making interesting music and more uh, Giannis. if you guys want to check out his information. It's down below. I highly suggest checking it out Like I said, I'm always intrigued by people making electronic music in any fashion and uh, you know rap might not be my thing And but you know what? I don't know if I would d- technically call all of this just straight-up rap He actually does some singing and things of that nature, too So check it out. I guarantee you'll be intrigued as I am and then remember that I went and saw him live and he's doing all this stuff live um, We discussed it a tiny bit in the episode, but he's not just like pushing the space bar on on a laptop and saying, here we go. He's actually twisting knobs and doing things while he's doing his his rapping, his R&B stuff, and a little bit of singing involved too there, which is, you know, once again, another thing that kind of intrigued me about what he was doing. So check it out. I guarantee you guys, you will be really intrigued by this as well. So check out all the links down below. And if you're looking for more links, check out audiblefarm.com. you got links there to all of the audible farm goodness the shop the patreon page all the social media the youtube channel the youtube channel is uh, gonna have clips video clips of the podcast as well as the full audio versions and if you're interested in watching the full video versions you can go to patreon.com audiblefarm audible farm uh you know it's a it's dollar a month it's all it's all it costs if you want to give more you can definitely give more but if you're interested in the video versions check it out there I really appreciate all the patrons that we do have currently so uh thanks to everybody that is a subscriber on the patreon page and if you uh don't feel like giving a dollar a month maybe you might want to check out the shop the shop has merch available there's a, a small selection of hoodies still left there are t-shirts there uh, i do know the large t-shirts are sold out at the moment so check that out there are t-shirts there there's also stickers available if you can find me at a show maybe you'll be uh, lucky enough to grab a sticker from me I usually do carry a handful of stickers around here and there, so check those out, too, if you guys are looking for a sticker. Uh, Hit me up if I'm at a show. Maybe I have one with me. If not, just go to the shop link down below and uh, purchase a sticker if that's something that interests you. If you guys are looking for more goodness in the Iowa music scene, go to the website, audiblefarm.com. Scroll to the bottom and find all of the different podcasts, radio shows, and things like that that we have links to. I try to link to a handful of them, the ones that help support me and uh, kind of partnered up with me. So check it out. There's links there to all sorts of good stuff as well, Uh, not just Audible Farm-based stuff, but other stuff, you know, things that I may or may not have a little bit to do with and uh, a lot more things that I don't have anything to do with. So I'm not the only one out there supporting live music in the scene around Iowa. There's a lot of other people doing it too. So check it out, audiblefarm.com. That's where it's at. I do want to say in the outro of this that uh, the band that I play with on occasion, Three Finger Betty, has had their Facebook page hacked. I uh, plan on doing a podcast episode discussing this, uh, maybe in the near future here. um, Maybe discussing what happened, how it happened, ways you can defend against it, and things of that nature. Um, In short, I guess the easiest way to say was one person had their Facebook profile hacked, and the person just uh, ran roughshod. took over all the pages that person was managing they kind of just wrecked everything on the on the personal profile and then deleted it all together and there was no way for the person to go get their personal profile back so if you guys are looking for anything three finger Betty it's on audible farm or or it's it's on Facebook now and it is at three finger Betty band that is the new page so check it out if you guys are looking to help uh, bring that like number back up for us I would appreciate that it's kind of hard starting all over but it it is what it is. And like I said, I'm, I'm looking forward to discussing this topic with uh, hopefully somebody in the near future. And, and if I can't, I'll probably bridge the topic a little bit, maybe in a bonus episode or maybe in a short solo episode or something like that. So uh, keep your eyes open for that. Once again, I got to say thanks to Giannis. Giannis is such a great guest. Uh, I had a great time sitting down and talking with them. For somebody that I, I only met very, very briefly at a, a singer-songwriter, like a songwriter circle down in Iowa City at El Rey's, it was, it was really, really fun, you know, first off to be able to go down there and, and play at that, but on top of that to meet some really cool people. I should also mention that uh, in this episode we neglected to mention one person that was at the songwriter circle and it was uh, the Zefster, the Zefster. Hats off to the Zefster as well. Uh, f- sorry for you know, not mentioning you in the in the proper episode itself. So otherwise, yeah, just check out audiblefarm.com. Find us on social media. Give us a like. Uh, if you're listening on YouTube, give us a subscribe. Uh, kind of boost those subscribe numbers. Every little bit helps along the way. So thank you guys for listening week in, week out. If this is your first time listening to the Audible Farm podcast, scroll back through. You might find somebody else that you know in the, uh, in one of the previous episodes. All right. That's it for me this week. I'll be back next week with uh, maybe with another guest, maybe with a solo episode. I do have a couple people on the line for uh, interviews coming up, so we'll check that out, uh, cross that bridge when we come to it. We'll see you next week, guys. Peace.